Good morning. This morning we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. Follow along with me as I read. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Merry Christmas. It's so, uh, it's amazing to see so many people here today. Welcome to our church. Church is such a funny thing because no matter how packed the sanctuary gets, the front row is always still empty, right? Nobody wants to sit in the front row. I always find that really funny. It's okay. I'm a back row Baptist as well. Okay, that's who I am. Uh, my name is Eddie Bang. Uh, I've... Um, I want to share something really briefly before I start preaching. Uh, I'm, I've only been here for six months uh, as a staff member. Uh, this is actually my last Sunday officially here because next Sunday our family is away on a holiday. And so I kind of want to share something before I preached with you guys. And I'm just going to read it because I don't want to get too emotional or anything like that. It's just a thank you, okay? So um, I just want to say a huge thank you to all of you. Uh, thank you so much for considering me and my family worthy enough to be a candidate to become the third pastor here at WDBC. I saw that that was my official title, the third pastor on that slide. Uh, the, past, the past six months have been some of the best months of church that we've ever had. Not ministry, just church. It's been some of the best. We've spent most of our ministry lives being a pastor and a pastor's wife, basically being people we were expected to be. I don't think we ever felt the freedom just to be ourselves. But here, it's not like that, you know? And uh, we felt so accepted. We felt free to be ourselves. And we actually think you like who we are, right? So, uh, even though we say so many stupid things, like I do. And, and, and for us, that's been so healing. It's been so refreshing. So thank you guys so much. You know, whether we get voted in or not, uh, thank you so much for your love and support these past six months. You guys have been such a blessing. A special thank you to, jo to Jonathan, Joanna, and the Hoffmans. You know, they tried to get me here for years, and I just refused. You know, it's so difficult to drive over that Hawkesbury, you know, border. 
but it's been the most wonderful journey that we've, I think, we've ever had in our marriage. So thank you so much for that. Uh, to be clear, we do want to continue to our partnership here, so you know, please vote for us. But uh, even if that doesn't happen, you guys are a blessing. You guys are wonderful. God is doing amazing things here, and it's been a privilege. So thank you guys so much. All right, let's get to our message today. Uh, Merry Christmas. My name is Eddie Bang. I'm one of the pastors here at WWC. <laughs> Thank you for joining us here today. Oh, today, today, obviously, we're talking about the birth of Christ. And, you know, births are so different these days, aren't they? Like, it's not enough these days just to announce that you might be pregnant. But people do some crazy stuff. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? People will throw these huge parties and they'll invite all these people. They'll have tons of food and decorations everywhere. And then, and the whole reason why is so they can pop this balloon that will either reveal blue like, uh, what do you call confetti or like pink confetti. Or they'll like cut open this white frosting cake that will either have blue cake in it or a pink cake. You know what I'm talking about? These gender reveal parties. It's crazy. And some of them are like off the charts. And so, you know, to me, when I first saw those things, I was like, oh man, this is wild. But it makes sense, doesn't it? Because the, there's nothing more precious than the birth of a child. Am I right? There is nothing more precious than the birth of a child. And it deserves a great announcement. My wife and I, we had trouble having kids for many years, you know, and we, we like basically gave up. But the moment we got pregnant, after we stopped crying for like two, three days, right, because we were so happy, uh, we told everybody because the coming of a child deserves a great announcement. The birth of a child deserves the greatest of announcements. You know, back in Jesus' day, when uh, a new king or a baby king or a baby prince was born, did you know that it literally stopped a whole nation? A whole nation was halted because a baby was born. The next king would be born. So you would think that when the king of the universe, the savior of the cosmos, is going to be born, that it would stop all of eternity. Wouldn't you think that? And he deserves it, doesn't he? He deserves that. But what's so curious is that this announcement is not made publicly with any pomp and circumstance, is it? But it's made privately in the middle of the night of all times. And here's what's most curious to me. Is that of all people, it's made to shepherds, right? We'll get to that in a second. But uh, welcome to our Christmas Eve service at 9.30 a.m., right? Uh, and surprise, surprise, we're going to talk about the birth of Jesus Christ today. Our Advent series is entitled Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. And this particular message today specifically focuses on how Jesus Christ is peace on earth or how Jesus Christ will bring peace on earth. I want to talk about that phrase for a second, peace on earth. Um, and I want to ask you this question. When I say that phrase, peace on earth, what's the first thing you guys think of? You guys can shout it out. I can't hear a thing because of this big fan. So I apologize. I'm just going to assume you're going to say like things like, oh, no more war, no more conflict. Is that right? Did anyone here think like, oh, peace on earth? Oh, that's like this Zen, like sweeping across the earth, right? Peace sweeping across. No, nobody. Good. 
because we're not Buddhists either, right? Good. But, but for everybody who, when you hear the phrase peace on earth, a lot of times we believe, or we believe that peace on earth truly is the absence of conflict, isn't it? Right? That's what peace on earth is. No more fighting, no more wars. But here's the question then. When you look at the world today, is that what it looks like? No, it doesn't, does it? So it makes you kind of wonder, doesn't it? And ask some harder questions. I mean, if the birth of Jesus Christ was supposed to bring peace on earth, did it fail? Right? It kind of failed, didn't it? Is that tough to say in church? I mean, when you look at the world, even the people of Israel are at war right now. So is that what that phrase, peace on earth, actually means? Right? And if so, why isn't there peace on earth today? Well, let's answer those questions right now, okay? Was the birth of Jesus Christ supposed to bring that kind of peace on earth? And the answer is? Some yeses, some noes. We're struggling, aren't we? Right? But here's the answer. The answer is yes and no. Okay, I cheated, okay, I, but it's true, it's true, it's both, and let me, let me explain why. It's yes, because the birth of Jesus Christ inaugurated this new era. It inaugurated the coming of true peace, and now in English, the word peace is awesome and cool, but the word peace really means the Hebrew word peace, which is? Shalom, you guys are so educated. You know, it's shalom. And, and, and the Hebrew word for peace is shalom, which means this. And it's, a, it's an amazing definition. It means the fullness or the wholeness of peace and health in every single way. It's not just the absence of conflict. It's the fullness and the wholeness of health and peace characterized by things like universal uh, healing, uh, ultimate justice, and complete restoration of all of God's creation, which means no more sin, no more brokenness, and therefore no more wars, no more conflicts. All that stuff will eventually happen. So yes, that's exactly what it means, but it's also no because the plan for all that to happen wasn't supposed to happen overnight, okay? And it's probably not gonna happen in a way that many of us imagine. But to be clear, the birth of Jesus Christ put all of mankind on the pathway to peace on earth. But it won't be complete. It won't look like what we want it to look like. It won't look like what it's supposed to look like until Jesus comes back again to restore his kingdom on earth permanently. So the question then is this today. How does Jesus establish peace on earth between now and then? And good for us, that's exactly what our passage tells us. And that's exactly what our passage is going to share with us today. I'm so sorry. Very excited. I'm so sorry, but I haven't been using this thing here. So peace on earth. Here we go. Um, as I study this passage today, I realize that there's so many things that we can talk about. There's so many things that we can say about it. But what I've done is I've boiled down this whole passage down to three statements that I believe God wants to share with us today on Christmas Eve. And when these statements are lived out in your lives, that is when peace on earth will spread across the earth. Cool? Amen? 
All right, so here's the first thing that God wants to say to us today. God still loves you and wants you. And that still is actually very, very important. So thank you for my wife for highlighting it in white. All right. You know, I want you to read these verses for me again. We're going to read the text once again, verses 8 to 12. And the reason why I want you to read it again is because I want to point out some things that are there and point out some things that are not there. Verse 8 to 12. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Okay, cool. This is a birth announcement, isn't it? Right? This is a birth announcement. These angels are announcing the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to imagine this for me. If Karen, my wife, all of a sudden had, you know, let's pretend she, okay, let's rewind. Let's say I call you up and I tell you, hey, my wife Karen just gave birth to her, our first baby son. Right? It's, it's, an, it's a wonderful announcement. And after you congratulate me, what might be the first question you ask me? Yeah. What's his name? Right? Wouldn't you ask me that? Right? If someone told you, or your son was just born, what's his name? But do you notice here that the angels never tell these shepherds what the name of this baby will be? Did you ever notice that in this birth announcement? It's really, really kind of interesting, man. If I was one of those shepherds, I'd be like, you know, hold up. How many barns are we going to have to look at before we find this baby? I mean, if you told us the name, it would help us a lot in finding this baby, you know? But instead of a name, the angel gives these shepherds three titles. Shepherd, all right, a Savior, Messiah, and Lord. Oh, great. You're telling us the baby's function. That's going to help us, right? Find this baby. Okay, let's forget about the shepherds. Um, why do the angels do this? Why do the angels leave out Jesus, the name, and, and specifically tell them the function? Savior, Messiah, Lord. They do this because who Jesus is is so much more important and significant than the human label in which we give him. All right, this is what I mean. It doesn't matter if my name's Eddie or Jack or Joe to my kids. What matters to my kids is I am their father. That's what's important. That's what's significant. Who is this Jesus then and why is his purpose that important? Well, look at, let's look at these words. Savior means rescuer. Messiah means promised one or anointed one. And Lord means God. So the angels are declaring that the one who has been promised and anointed to rescue them has finally come. He's finally here. And that person is God. God himself became a man to rescue us from our sins and to redeem us back to him. This is why we celebrate Christmas. Amen? But it gets better. See, the thing that confused me the most about this passage goes back to the question that I asked at the beginning of the message. Why does God make this earth-shattering, history-changing announcement to shepherds? 
And to understand that answer, we need to know two things, okay? Number one, shepherds were like the lowliest profession back then. They were the lowest profession on the totem pole, you know? So not only were they always dirty, literally, they were poor, okay? They were also untrusted. They were kind of known to be a little bit unsavory, so much so that the Jewish law actually states that they're not to be trusted in courts. Their testimonies don't even hold weight in courts. Therefore, these guys were one of the most despised socioeconomic classes that existed back then in Jewish society. And the thing is, even though they were Jews, because of their job, they couldn't take part in any religious ceremonies, which means they were never at church. And so not only were they never at church, but anyone who actually did go to church didn't respect them whatsoever. What am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is that these guys were the bottom of the bottom. You know what I'm saying? They were the bottom of respect, the bottom of society, the bottom of economic anything. They were the bottom. That's the first thing you need to know. The second thing you need to know is the history of God, God's people in the Old Testament. And I'll just make it real simple. All throughout the Old Testament, God's people were unfaithful. You know, they just couldn't remain faithful. You know, all throughout the Old Testament, if you read it, it's a long story. But all, all, all God is saying to his people is, I love you guys. You know, I, I, want, I want you guys. I want to be with you guys. And if you guys, are just, if you guys just stay faithful to me, you guys are going to get blessed because I love you. But the people all throughout the Old Testament just refuse to stay faithful. It's a frustrating story, and that pattern has been going on for thousands of years. So here we go. Let's get back to the main question. The question is, why would the greatest announcement in history be made to those guys? And the answer is this. God is saying that nothing will ever change his love for his people. That's it. From the very least of society to the very greatest, God still loves all of you and wants all of you forever. Do you guys see that? That's the message. And that's so important for all of us to know, especially during this Christmas time, isn't it? Especially at the end of the year. You know, some of us come to church just now, you know, at the end of the year, because we want to hear a Christmas message. This is the Christmas message. God's love for you has never changed. He loves you, and he still wants you. It doesn't matter what you've done this week. It doesn't matter what your year looked like. It doesn't matter if you've been good or bad. God is not like Santa. He doesn't keep tabs. You know what I'm saying? And the reason why is because his love is unconditional. The reason why is because his love is unchanging, right? Which means that his love for you will never be dependent upon your actions, your history, or your performance. He loves you with a perfect and unconditional love, which means that nothing we do can ever change his love for us. Amen. Isn't that amazing? Ugh. He's our heavenly father. And we are his children, made in his image. And Christmas is a time to renew family bonds, amen? Christmas is a time to recommit to family. So let's do that today with our Heavenly Father, which leads me to our second point. God wants you to have peace today. Verses 13 and 14 says this. Suddenly, 
A great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Once again, imagine with me, it's in the middle of the night. We are out in these lonely hills and pastures with just our sheep. And then it's terrifying enough for one angel to appear with the glory of God behind him, speaking us these words, right? That's terrifying enough. But then this text says, suddenly, out of nowhere, a whole host of angels appear, singing the praises of God in the middle of the night, in, out in the countryside. I mean, if it were me, some... some Bodily fluids would have spilled that night, you know? It's just, that is the picture. Can you imagine this flash mob just appearing out of nowhere? But here's the question. The question to me is why? Why did this heavenly host appear? Did they have to appear? I mean, even if they didn't appear, the passage would have still been the passage, right? The birth announcement of Jesus Christ. Why is this heavenly host thing praising God, worshiping God in this particular passage? And the simple answer is this. Because the worthiness of Jesus Christ causes worship. That's it. The worthiness of Jesus Christ causes worship. Who Jesus is causes these angels to erupt in praise. And the reason why I say it that way is because I need, you to, I need to point out something to you. I want to highlight something. These angels are not praising Jesus because he did something for them. He didn't. He, you know, he, he saves us, so we praise him for it. He didn't do anything for them. They're praising Jesus simply because of who he is. His worthiness alone causes them to erupt in praise. Do you guys see that? You know, we all know that Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. And if we have Jesus within our lives, we have peace, right? Because we have Jesus. But have you ever noticed that there are a lot of Christians who go to church and who actually have Jesus, but for some reason don't seem to have much peace? Have you ever noticed that? Why is that? Why does that happen? And I think this is the answer. I think this is the answer. I think it's because we forget that peace can only be found in a person. And that's it. Peace doesn't happen by telling ourselves facts. We can do that, right? We can tell ourselves great facts. We can tell ourselves things like we're saved, we're forgiven, you know, we're loved, we're protected. That's awesome. That's good. That's healthy. But I can tell myself those facts all day, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to feel peace inside my heart. It doesn't mean that I actually have a sense of peace about me. Peace happens when we are embraced by Jesus himself. And he looks me straight in the eye and whispers in his loving voice to me that he alone has the power and the compassion and the desire to save me, to forgive me, to love me, and to protect me. And peace happens when I become so convinced of that, 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 that my life is securely within his hands, that I actually surrender my life into his hands. Peace happens when you know that God has got you. That's it. 
Peace, peace happens when you know that God has your life firmly and squarely within his hands and that he cares for you. He loves you. He's going to protect you and he's going to do everything for you. That's when all of our worries disappear into his worthiness and we erupt in praise. Do you guys see that? That's peace. Even these angels, they affirm it. What they're saying in this, they're, what they're saying is actually really awesome. They glory to God in the highest. But that second phrase, what they're saying is really awesome. If I can paraphrase what they're saying in the second phrase, this is what they're saying. They're saying this. They're saying, hey, we know. We know what it's like to be with Jesus. Who he is causes us to erupt in praise, right? To worship him. But you guys... You guys are the lucky ones now. And the reason why you guys are the lucky ones now is because Jesus is choosing to pursue you. He's choosing to pursue because he wants to be with you now. He's leaving heaven because he wants to be with you. And he wants to rest his favor upon you. And now you guys get a chance to see how worthy he truly is just like we already do. That's what they're saying. And for those that surrender their lives to Christ in faith, they will now have peace. That peace that transcends understanding. That peace that transforms fears into joy. That, that peace that melts all of our worries into perpetual worship. God wants you to have that peace. And it can only be found in his son, Jesus Christ. If you want peace in your life, I ask you, please put your faith in Jesus Christ today. That's why we're here. That's why we come on Christmas. Surrender your life to him today. He was born this day 2,000 years ago so that he could become the perfect sacrifice for us to pay the penalty for our sins. Why did Jesus do this? Because we needed rescuing. We needed a savior, right? All of us are sinners and because of our sin, we all deserve to uh, pun be punished in hell forever. We all deserve to be condemned to hell forever. But Jesus didn't want that. That's why he pursued us. That's why he wanted us to be with him. So he died upon the cross, took all the penalty that we deserve, placed it upon himself. And the moment that you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he now gives his perfect righteousness to you, which allows us to enter into heaven sinless. Jesus Christ is the best Christmas gift. Amen. I hope all of you put your faith in Jesus Christ today. He chose to pursue you because he wants to be with you. And he wants to rest his favor upon you. God wants you to have peace. God wants you to have Jesus. Lastly, God wants you to be peace. I'm not going to read this. There's actually three slides. We're just going to fast forward. But let me, I'm not going to read, but let me sum up what's happening in these, 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 these last verses. You see, when the angels or when the shepherds hear the worship of Jesus Christ from these angels, immediately they set off to find Jesus. And then upon seeing him, they couldn't stop glorifying him, praising him and worshiping him and talking about him. And it was exactly like the angels had said, wasn't it? Verse 18 says that as a result, everybody else, all the others were amazed. Verse 19 says, Mary, the mother of Jesus, couldn't stop pondering couldn't stop treasuring Jesus as a result. And then lastly, even after the shepherds did their thing and told everybody in the town about Christ, 
they couldn't stop glorifying and praising Jesus themselves. What's the point? Well, let me ask you two questions and then we'll get to the point. What caused these shepherds to be amazed so much that they had to go see Jesus? And the answer is the worship of the angels. What caused everybody else in that town to be amazed at Jesus? It was the worship of the shepherds. All right, do you guys see a pattern here? What's the point? Here we go. The worship of Christ awakens others to the worthiness of Christ. That's it. The worship of Christ awakens others to the worthiness of Christ. What, what does that mean? It means when the people of God are consumed with the worthiness of Christ and the worship of Christ then drives all that we do within our lives, other people will become amazed at Jesus as well because they see the worship and his worthiness through us. Do you guys see that? That's what this text is saying. His glorification in our lives is what will gather others to him. And when they're gathered to him, you think they're gonna have peace as well? Of course they will. What does that mean? It means that peace on earth, therefore, is achieved between now and then when others discover Christ through the praise of his people. This is, this is it. Here's the main point. I don't know if you can see this. But peace on earth spreads through the praise of his people. How important is it that we live lives of worship? It is eternally essential. Right? God wants us to be peace by making the worship of Christ the driving force of all that we do. There is no peace on earth without worship. There is no peace without praise. There is no peace without glorification, personally and globally. So let's make the glory of Christ all that we are about. How do we do that? Well, make changes. Make commitments to convey the worthiness of Christ in every area of your life. Let's spread his glory to everyone around us. Amen. God still loves you. He still wants you. God wants you to have peace. He wants you to have Jesus. And lastly, God wants you to be peace through worship. Can I end my sermon with a question? Here's the question. You know, when you look back at what these angels said about Jesus, that he was the Savior, Messiah, and Lord, would you say that these angels got it right, that they were pretty spot on? Yeah. It's a clear as day, isn't it? It is. I agree too. Well, I hope that when your life and my life is all said and done, that the word that people will use to characterize our lives will be that word worshiper. And I hope that that will be clear as day as well. Let's be worshipers of Christ who declare his worthiness to our world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for sending Jesus. But Jesus, we thank you that you wanted to come. And we thank you that you want to pursue us, that you love us, and that there's nothing that we could do to ever change your love for us. So Father, there are so many people that are sitting here today that are without peace, that don't really know you. Father, I pray that you continue to speak to them, 
continue to open up their hearts. And Father, convince them that there really only is peace in this life when we are with you. So Lord, bring them to the point where they realize your worthiness and give them a desire to truly be a worshiper for the rest of their lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.